Welcome to the third and final hour of the show tonight. South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris is out. He'll be back tomorrow. So. 508-996-0500 is how you can get in, uh, get on the program. We got some calls during the last hour to talk with Attleboro Mayor Paul Haru, who is the um, who is a Democratic candidate for Bristol County Sheriff, has raised, you know, I think over sixty grand, but has about fifty-seven on hand right now. Uh, is a former corrections officer, I'm a corrections administrator here and in. Uh, Philadelphia and in um, and uh, was a state rep as well uh, in the Attleboro area. So I thought a really good conversation, a really interesting one uh, about you know his approach. Obviously, he's got a starkly different philosophy than than Sheriff Hodgson does, and he's got a lot of experience um, to sort of back up his uh, to back up his positions. And so, uh, as someone who was a criminal justice major in uh in undergrad who has a degree uh, in criminal justice at from bridgewater um i do like those uh, academic uh, sort of um corrections and criminal justice system type of conversations and i think you all did too uh you know we got some good calls uh, about it and um we'll definitely be hearing from you know sheriff hodge and the other democrats in the race and uh, we'll be featuring that race very prominently here on South Coast tonight because it is very important. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on. Hey, good evening. Good evening, Marcus. It's so good to hear you. I love your new show. Thank you. And you sound so professional now. I can remember when you first started, you were so nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Thanks, hey, I appreciate hey, really, that. Um, <laughs> This um, fellow, what's his name again? Paul. Paul. Paul Haro. Paul Haro. He is the mayor of Attleboro. Yeah, well, I got the card in the mail, and I'm voting for him because I read it, and I like his credentials, and he sounded, he's very intelligent. I like the way he speaks. I like his ideas, and Great. I'm ready to get rid of Sheriff Hodgkins. I hope that this this man wins. Well, that's good. Um, I, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you calling in and um, and you know letting us know. I, thank you. Thank you. I'm listening. Thank you. I appreciate your listenership as well. Yeah, if you uh, support Sheriff Hodgson, if you support Mayor Haru, give us a call. Let us know if you support one of the other Democrats in the race, McNeil or Bernier. Also, I'd like to hear from you as well, uh, and you know why you're supporting them. So, yeah, I thought it was a good conversation. Again, I, he's obviously has a lot of campaign experience too. So. Um, I think a strong candidate uh, on the Democratic ticket, um, and uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Um, if you if you want to call and talk about the sheriff's race, that's fine. I'm going to move on to something else, but I'll take your calls on that as well. I'll take your calls on, I mean, frankly, whatever you want. I'm, I'm here, right? I'm here for the next hour. So... Uh, the what I want to talk about is the tax relief package on Beacon Hill because some news I was just reading a recent, very recent, and like by recent I mean like 15 minutes ago, uh, column in the Boston Globe about it by uh, Samantha Gross, and uh, the the House is, looks like they're going to vote on a very comprehensive tax reform bill. Now, if you're not familiar with the story that's ha happened in the last week regarding that tax reform bill, we've covered it here at WBSM. Uh, you know, Barry's covered it. I've covered it as well. So 
essentially the story, the background is that the background is that um, uh, for you know the they're projecting a three point six billion dollar budget surplus, right? Which is a lot. It's a lot of money. Projecting a three point five six billion dollar uh, budget surplus. Um, the rainy fund day, uh, the rainy day fund in the uh, you know at the state houses, is, is pretty substantial. And, uh, you know, during this time of record, you know, inflation and uh, the gas prices and all of that, Charlie Baker, Governor Charlie Baker, has urged the uh, Beacon Hill to take up tax relief. There's been some discussion about what types of tax relief that should be. Some people say repeal the gas tax. I know there's candidates here that say repeal the gas tax. The What the Beacon Hill legislatures were arguing that were against it, which is most of them, were saying that actually doesn't work. And you're going to lose some, you're not only going to lose revenue for critical infrastructure projects, that actually doesn't work. Uh, and you can see that in states like Connecticut. Um, Delaware, et cetera, that uh, there's barely, you know, any difference in cost between our, our gas and, and the gas in, say, Connecticut, who did repeal their gas tax. Uh, so, you know, when I had um, Bill Strauss on chairman of transportation, what he said was, and other people, uh, you know, I've, on the legislature I've talked to, what they, they said was the real way to do this is targeted tax relief. And so last week they released a one part of it. Which optically, honestly, I didn't think was great in terms of optics because it made it look like it was the only type of tax relief that they were they were um, they were releasing, and it's actually pretty. You know, the package they're offering is pretty substantial. It's like a billion dollars, right? It's over a billion dollars. Charlie Baker had called for seven hundred million dollars in tax relief, um, and the legislator at first had released uh, these. Um, they said there's going to be these payments that are going to go out for people that have filed tax returns in 2021, and they're going to be $250 for individual, uh, $500 for uh, married couples filing jointly, and uh, from there's a minute there's an income requirement. It has to be you have to be between $38,000-$100,000 individual earners, and $150,000. Uh, Mar uh, for married couples, that's the limit there. And so there was a little bit of pa uh, pushback on that. I actually had spoken with um, Senator uh, Roderick, Senator Mike Rodericks, on either Thursday or Friday afternoon. I think it was it was Friday afternoon. I spoke with uh, uh, chair. I should say Chairman Rodericks of the uh, Senate Ways and Means Committee. Uh, Senate Ways and Means Committee. So they basically, you know, House Ways and Means and Senate Ways and Means. They write the budget. Right, so it's Aaron Michaelwitz uh, from Boston in um, uh, on the House side, and uh, Chairman Rodericks uh, on the Senate side from uh, from Westport. So they they released those payments. I talked to him. He said, "Listen, you know, I asked him first of all why people under thirty eight thousand were not getting tax relief or getting these payments." He said, "Those payments already, you know, we already sent payments out. We sent about a million $500 checks out earlier this year. Um, and he said they were working on more permanent tax relief. And I asked him, you know, is there one, you know, is there more coming? He said, yes, a lot, uh, by the end of the legislative session, which is July 31st. And then later that, and then Monday they released, you know, more tax relief proposals and, um, you know, more, 
Uh, it's been revealed that they're actually exceeding when it looked like it was going to fall short of Charlie Baker's $700 million tax relief. It looks like they're going over by about $300 million. And 508-996-0500. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Yeah, you talk about Massachusetts and the taxes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to get better. It's just going to keep getting higher and higher, and everybody's going to move out of state. Well, they they proposing a billion dollars in relief, both in payments and cutting taxes. Yeah, as I said, this is Massachusetts, man. It's it's what in the top three most expensive places to live in the United States. I mean, I'd I'd believe that. Uh, if you told me, uh, Connecticut's probably, Connecticut's definitely more expensive. Uh, California could be, Massachusetts yeah. could be, Massachusetts could be third. I'd, I'd probably believe you. New York, I think, is number one. Oh, New York. Yeah, New York, of course. Yeah, so Massachusetts out there. I, I, I would think Connecticut's more expensive, but it might to not be. be. Able to say it's in the top five. Sure, that's fair. So, it's just too expensive to live here. It was, I mean, our parents had it so much easier and it was hard for them. And now, you know, here I am, almost 50 years old, and I can barely get by in Massachusetts. Yeah, I mean, isn't it isn't it too expensive to live most places? I mean, your money's just worth a lot less than it was, you know, 50, 60 years ago, right? Sure. Even 20 years ago, your money's just worth a lot less than it used to be, you know? That's America for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I just again call in on your new show. Um, I usually call during the day sometimes at my, on my lunch break or whatever, but I heard about this show and I had nothing going on sitting at the sprained ankle. So I figured I'd uh, put it on the phone and listen to it for a little while. And, um, it was quiet, so I forget to call. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I hope, I hope your ankle heals. Thank you, and uh, Chris McCarthy's back, huh? Yeah, Chris is back. He was out. Uh, he's out tonight. He'll be back tomorrow. Um, but Chris is back. Yeah, he's my co-host. I'm really excited to be working with him again. That's good. He's healthy again, and good luck to him. I look forward to talking to him when he's on the show. Yeah, he does as well. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Chris will be back tomorrow. Uh, it's fun working with Chris again. You know. You know, if you've been listening to the station for a while, I started out uh, just coming in, you know, a 29-year-old. I uh, I mean, I'm 33 now. It's not like there's a huge difference, I guess. You know what? There is. But, uh, you know, a 29-year-old sort of activist attorney, politically involved, I'll say. An activist, politically involved uh, attorney wanted my, you know, my perspective or more or less perspective here. And it just, you know, that was 2018. And, uh, you know, I, the, because of the opportunity Chris gave me, we're able to share this opportunity here on South Coast tonight. And I just think that's, that's such a great thing, you know, and it's really, it's been fun the first week and, uh, it'll be fun for more weeks to come. But, uh, you were talking about tax relief. We're taking your calls. 508-996-0500. We'll take your calls on whatever you want. And let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. Marcus. What's up? Sam. Sam, how's it going? <laughs> How you doing? I'm well. I'm good. Good. That was a great interview. I liked it. Thank you. Thank you. I Very appreciate that. Thank Very you. Very informative. Thanks. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Hodgson's been there for forever, you know. I mean, I don't have any ill will toward him or anything, but, I, you know, it sounds good to possibly have some new blood in there, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's what some people are saying. They, you know, 25 years, they might want to uh, change it up. Some people, you know, like like where Hodgson's at, but 
uh, that seems to be, I mean, 25 years is a long time, for sure. Yeah, it is. That's for darn sure. <laughs> hey, where the heck did you learn about politics so well at such a young age? I don't know. I just, uh, you know, here and there, I guess. I don't know. I just um, I just picked it up. The whole system is, uh, is an impressive thing, you know, all the different types of whatever, you know, like yeah. the houseways and means and all the different sections of government. I mean, that's... That's uh, an accomplishment in itself. So thank you, I appreciate that. Thank you, I and uh, I really do enjoy you and Crispy being back together. It's amazing. Thank you. It's, uh, you. You you kind of fell right back into the same spot you left off in. So thanks. Uh, I'm glad to hear you guys both back on. That's Have great to hear. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, it really is. I mean, you know. Chris, you know, we'd feature him on, he'd feature, be featured on my show, uh, you know, when he was out for a bit, Tim's show, he'd be on Tim's pretty regularly, but, uh, yeah, it's, it felt, we didn't miss a beat, right, when he came back, so, um, and, uh, he's looking forward to talking to you guys tomorrow, too, and so am I, uh, looking forward to talking to you with him, right, while we talking to each other, but yeah, no, I, I, um, uh, I appreciate that, you know, uh, Politics isn't something I was interested in when I was, uh, politics isn't something I was interested in when I was younger, right? Um, when I was in high school, I, I like couldn't be bothered, uh, to worry about it. George Bush was president. I do remember going, I do remember in 2000, I was uh, 11 years old in 2000. I went to, with my mom to go vote for, uh, Al Gore, uh, right in the, um, in the 2000 presidential election and boy was that something uh but uh never you know i never like i always was interested in civics and government and then i just got more interested in politics probably around 2008 when i you know when barack obama ran uh i think barack obama honestly for a lot of young people for a lot of young people got people into politics i think i mean he won because of you know record a record turnout of young voters. And I think his presence, right, his his style, his campaign was pretty, you know, was revolutionary for a lot of reasons, not just because he was the first black president, which, of course, is an incredible and very tangible um, accomplishment in and of itself to be elected as the first black president, but because his because of the way his campaign was run through social media, right? And um, his demeanor, it was something that was was different. And I think gravitated a lot of younger people uh, to politics. Um, and so I think that's around the time I got into it. You know, I was a criminal justice major at Bridgewater. So a lot of that does necessitate a, a knowledge of politics. You know, I took political science classes, right? I took a lot of, you know, obviously all my classes were on the criminal justice system and all that. So, and then you go to law school and if you, if you're in law school, and you don't know politics. I mean, I don't know why you're there, right? Law schools where you really, um, I mean, you really, I, th I think it's all part of, I think it's necessary, right? To be in the legal field. I think it's necessary to at least be, um, have a baseline, you know, a base knowledge of, of, of politics. And, uh, I just got more into it probably than other people did, uh, in, in, even in law school, especially. Um, but you know, you actually see a lot of, you see a lot of UMass lost. I mean, you look at a, a lot of the people that are in politics around here, you know, look at Hugh Dunn, Chris Hendricks, right. Uh, Chris Markey, um, a lot of people around here, me, right. 
are, you know, in elected offices or involved in politics uh, somehow. You know, I know Senator Montigny has uh, UMass Law um, staffers, you know, as well, the people that I know. Um, and so I guess you, you just sort of gravitate to it if you if you go to law school. And if you go to law school, you're probably gravitated to it anyway. Um, so uh, actually, it's a good time to take a break. I'm going to take a break and we will be back. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus. Uh, Chris will be back tomorrow. I felt like that song encapsulates a lot of people's feelings about how things are right now. And welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Chris is out tonight. He's back tomorrow. Uh, earlier in the show, I had Mayor Paul Haru, candidate for Bristol County Sheriff. Sounds like a lot of you enjoyed the interview. And uh, we're taking your calls. We've been taking your calls at 508 nine nine six oh five hundred we've been taking your messages on the wbsm app chat which is a very cool new feature um and we will uh continue doing so so you know i was talking about the tax relief uh you know there's a there was a, a a globe article i just i just picked up during the news break frankly it came out of like I said, about 15 minutes ago, I was talking about the uh, the the tax relief legislation that's coming through again. You know, as I said, just a brief encapsulation. Of what I talked about before was, um, you know, that they re- they have those $250 payments if your income's between $38,000 and $100,000, and uh, some people were getting, you know, their the criticism was people under 38k probably need that money as well but what they're saying is those checks already went out and what i I remember what what, um chairman rogers told me was you know they're working on more permanent tax relief for those individuals in the lower income bracket there was an effort uh by some a couple of state legislatures um and i'll get their names and i'm i uh, i know one of them was tammy tammy gavea so there was an effort by two of the state legislatures to essentially um, uh, to um, lift that income requirement and to say everybody needs those checks, basically. People, people under 38K need those checks. We should give them out. That was put down by a voice vote, um, so we couldn't see who voted on that. That was proposed by Tammy Gavea. Tammy Gavea is a... Um, progressive uh, rep from Acton and she is a candidate for lieutenant governor of uh, of Massachusetts so she's been uh, she she was vocal on that I mean I'm not, not that's not to say she doesn't believe in it but I know and I know Senator DeZaglio who's again I talked about earlier running for state auditor had wrote, written a letter to um, Karen Spilka about the matter as well Karen Spilka of course is the Senate president uh so um, it looks like this bill is going to be about 500. It's about, it's over a billion dollars. It's, um, and it's, I mean, in total, the tax relief, I think component of it in terms of like the direct, like targeted impact on Commonwealth residents, that is a total of a billion dollars. It's about 500 million in those direct payments, $250 payments. And about 500 million in the 
and the tax uh, in the um, a five hundred million in actual like tax relief. Um, so uh, there's a, it's a three point eight billion dollar package. So they're using a lot of ARPA money. They still have some. They still have some ARPA money left. They're using uh, ARPA money to offset the cost. A lot of the costs um, of this bill. There's some controversy in it. There's a five hundred million dollar annual live theater tax credit, which is which is interesting. Uh, there's fifteen million for reproductive health care. One hundred seventy five million for state parks and public re- uh, recreation. Three hundred million goes towards the state's unemployment fund. One hundred million for uh, the affordable housing trust fund. Um, yeah, there's five hundred twenty four million in permanent tax. Re- tax relief and one time and one time uh, payments. So uh, more than Charlie Baker had originally asked for, uh, there is, uh, I guess a bundle of amendments that was 85 million in assortments, uh, a sort of like earmarks for, for local, for local projects. Um, and um, that should be, I think they're looking towards, Passing it, yeah, the document will be released in the coming days, and they're going to vote on it on Monday. So in the coming days, I mean, probably tomorrow, right? They'd be releasing it tomorrow, unless they're going to release it over the weekend. Because if they're going to vote it on a Monday, and they're going to release it in the coming, they're going to release it over the weekend. Maybe they might. I don't know. But... Um, you know, there's, I mean, there's a lot in this, there is definitely a lot in this, I would would, would have liked if they released it now, but, um, but it looks like they're going to deliver on that promise because a lot of people were saying, I know a lot of people were pessimistic about the fact that they were going to do it because Charlie Baker's like, we need to do this. And they said, well, you've got to wait until after we hammer out this budget, you know, after the conference committees, you know, after the conference committee meets. So basically, uh, essentially how it works, and I'm not. I'm not like solid on this, but uh, the House passes a budget, the Senate passes a budget. Certain things may or not may not be in those budgets. One of those things, like like for example, the House passed the budget with that um, with that jail calls amendment that paid for people's jail calls that Mayor Haru and I talked about. Um, the candidate for sheriff, Mayor Haru, and I talked about. The House had that version of the bill. The Senate's bill didn't have the version of the bill. So what they do is they meet for a conference committee. And the conference committee, what they do is they iron out the details, what is included, what is not included. And they include those, the things, you know, they include some version of, of certain things that may not be in both bills or they don't, or they kick them out in, uh, in conference committee. So once it gets to conference committee, I think it's voted on again by the house and Senate. And then it goes to governor Baker's desk. I think it has a lot. I think. I believe Governor Governor Baker has a line item veto. Of course, uh, that's almost always rendered worthless by the almost always rendered worthless by the um, by the veto proof majority of the uh, of the House and Senate. A line item veto, by the way, if you don't know what a line item veto is, that basically means you can look at a bill, right? There's a you can look at a bill and you can just veto certain things, right? You can't just, you know, because typically when you veto a bill, you veto everything in the bill. And, you know, for one reason or another, 
But when you have a line item veto, there are line items in the budget that you can yourself veto. So, you know, like there might be a $100 million budget and there's $25 million for something, right? For something that you don't like, um, healthcare or something like that. And then you line item veto that, and that can go back to the House and Senate um, for that veto to be overridden. Interestingly enough, they tried to give Clinton, Bill Clinton, a line item veto. Um, it was part of a budget act, I believe. And it was under the Newt Gingrich uh, House in the mid-90s. If I'm wrong about this, correct me. But I'm pretty sure I'm not. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm pretty sure. So they tried to give Bill Clinton a line item veto. It went up to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said a line item veto is an unconstitutional is unconstitutional because it viol I think because it violates the checks and balances. But they tried to give the president, and interestingly enough, it was a Newt Gingrich uh, House in uh, Senate uh, House and um, Newt Gingrich House in the Bob Dole Senate uh, in the mid '90s that tried to give President Clinton a line item veto, and it didn't work. But Charlie Baker, pretty sure, does have one. But they're going to pass that budget. Uh, they're they're going to they have to by July thirty first. The the it end the the legislation the legislative leg, legislative session ends in July thirty first. Then I believe it doesn't pick up again until January until after the election. And it was this is it's controversial. It's controversial why this happens. But every election year, at least every election year. There is a substantial amount of time that the legislature has off before it has before it goes back in session, and I'm nearly certain of the fact that it's until after. Actually, it's not even until after the election until the new governor is sworn in. And there's a lot of controversy around it. I think Charlie Baker has generally supported this, and the reason I think they do it is because they what they want to avoid is lame duck um like lame duck type of le uh, legislation lame duck lame duck legislating before the new governor can come in i'm pretty sure that's that's why that's what baker it i remember baker giving that explanation and lame duck legislating if you don't know what lame duck legislating is essentially it's like let's say let's say well when president trump lost the election there was a, there was a session between November of whatever November or November fifth or whatever it was of 2020 and January 20th of 2021, and that time was a lame duck session for President Trump. You can pass stuff in the lame duck session, but it's like you're on your way out. That's what it's that's what it that's what it technically means. Lame duck can also mean that you're like basically you know you're unable to pass legislation. But I think this legislator takes July 31st through January off, and I think it's to avoid lame duck legislating. We've seen some lame duck legislating uh, happen in different states to some disastrous consequences. Like in Wisconsin, uh, Scott Walker was out. Tony Evers, the Democrat, won the election in Wisconsin. So they did a bunch of lame duck legislating to essentially, you know, fix the, you know, and you know, Wisconsin's totally, their state districts are totally gerrymandered, but they did a bunch of lame duck legislating to make it very, very difficult for Tony Evers to gov uh, govern. I think a lot of that got overturned by the state Supreme Court, 
but it's still that's I think that's the type of stuff they try to avoid. 508-996-0500. We've got a couple calls. Let's go to them. Hey, good evening. Thanks for holding. Yeah, I called a little while ago, so if you want me to hang up, I'll hang up. No, but, go for um, it. What's up? Um, this is interesting because you're in the younger crowd of the millennials, and then there's my crowd, Generation X, and then there's the baby boomers, and it seems like I'm just wondering why this is. Why are the millennials and baby boomers fighting? Generation X is just kind of staying out of it. But it's like the millennials are blaming blaming the baby boomers, which would probably be their grandparents for the financial... Parents, I would say, yeah, parents, grandparents. um, I think they're blaming them for the conditions that they're in currently. Well, well, if they screwed the millennials over, they screwed us over, too. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. I don't think all the baby boomers screwed everybody over. I think there was certain... Boomers that did, but I don't believe all baby boomers screwed everybody over. I believe the country screwed a lot of the baby boomers over that went and fought in Vietnam. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, Yeah, I think it's fair to blame a lot of the things that are bad on the baby boomers, honestly, and on the the greatest, you know, what we call the greatest generation, on the greatest generation as well. Um, You know, it's mostly because that they've been in power. They've had you know they're they're in the positions of power to change things and the boomers were in the 60s right like really sort of hippie earthy you know uh the abby hoffman types and then i think what millennials think is towards you know in 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 the 80s 70s and 80s they start gravitating towards like you know uh nixon and and reagan and what they essentially say you know is is they they sold out uh, yeah, a lot of baby boomers did. Um, they, yeah. After the war was over, they they started wearing suits, cutting their hair. You know, exactly. Yeah. And acting like their father. Yep. Yeah. That's exact. That's exactly it. So I think that. That. Sorry to interrupt. No, it's fine. That's. That's every generation, though. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily. I mean, again, I, I don't think it's. All that fair to blame them entirely. It's we've been moving, you know, we've been moving in a in a certain direction for you know hundreds of years, right? But yeah, I think the last fifty, uh, you know, the the they just blame the boomers because I think a lot of the things that are bad have been like accelerated, you know, in the last forty to forty some odd to, to fifty years to the point that we're at now. I'll be honest with you, and then I'm gonna hang up. I think greedy. Businessmen and women have destroyed this country. Oh, that's entirely true. I agree. I don't. I don't believe in a certain. I don't believe baby boomers did it. I don't believe Generation X did it. And I don't believe the millennials are doing it. They're just we're just paying for it, and I think the boomers are paying for it too, due to the rich. I'm talking about the rich crowd. Even if you go back to the Greatest Generation, World War Two, Korea. They had rich people screwing people over back then too. No, of course. Yeah, look at uh, look at what the Bushes were doing at that time. <laughs> you know, in particular. Uh, yeah, but, uh, we don't need any more Bushes. Uh, yeah, exactly. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, no. Um, there's plenty of millennials that have grown up to be greedy business people too. Sure. Look at um, its name. Uh, Martin Shkreli, the farmer bro. Right. Uh, 508-996-0500. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Thanks for holding. 
You're Marcus Don up in Stoughton. Hey, Don, what's um, up? Well, you were talking about the line item veto, and, and that always bothered me. I, I pulled it up on the computer, and it was in 96, and yeah. a single federal district judge said it was unconstitutional because it said the president was allowed to pick and choose those portions of a, quote, enacted law to determine which ones remained valid. Right. Well, excuse me, Marcus, but if the president vetoes an act and it goes back to Congress, can they not pass it over his veto if it's that important? Yeah, right. I mean, okay, I think so. I, it's it's a. So why I, didn't this judge know this? I think he knew it. I think he just didn't believe that that was that was right. And I think what he probably saw as veto overriding is it's pretty common here. It's not it's not common at all at the um, at the federal level. I don't even know the last time there was a veto override. Uh, or even yeah, attempt but, at know, one. Yeah, the, the point being, though, is you give the president some leeway and you give Congress leeway, too. They can right. propose stuff that may seem a little out of sorts. And if the president says, yeah, this is kind of out of sorts, and they cannot get the rest of Congress to agree, well, then it's vetoed. Yeah. But what this judge did, it, it, is, it was so stupid to me at the time of going, how can the judge say this? The Congress has the authority to override the veto. How can the judge say that the president can take they're a saying, whack at it. I guess the, the argument would be it gives the president too much power because it's hard to override a veto. You need two-thirds majority of Congress to to override a veto. So if they're putting a, together a comprehensive bill and each legislature you know, is getting something in that bill that they think is important, the president basically has carte blanche over every aspect you know, of that law, and it's difficult to go through that again, and, and you know, to, again, well, to, to, a, to a practical impossibility, almost, and well, that would probably well, be the violation. Of yeah, the, well, we're seeing that today. Uh, so yeah. many Democrats have complained about the immigration uh, laws, and they've never done anything about it, and the best solution for President Biden is to open the borders. Yeah, I mean, I think reasonable minds can differ on that, but uh, the federal government, <laughs> the federal government, I, I mean, listen, there's been bipartisan, there's been at least like, what, two gang of eights, quote unquote gang of eights on immigration. No, neither of them have gotten anything down. In fact, the only way to really govern is by fiat uh, for Jeez. the president on immigration. Really? That's the only way to go. That's the only way they, that's the only way they do govern. It's the only way they can. Well, that that is scary. By fiat, you and I both know that is not a very good way of doing things. I couldn't agree more. Hey, Don, thanks. I got to take this break. But right. Thanks for the take call. Care. I appreciate it. Uh, all right, 508-996-0500. We'll be back. Hey, welcome back. I'm Marcus uh, here in South Coast tonight. Chris is out tonight, back tomorrow. He's looking forward to hearing from you. I'm looking forward to hearing from you right now if you want to call in. 508-996-0500. Law call a lot of calls in this hour and the whole show really. And, uh, I think it's because, you know, part of, because I think this is a great slot. You know, I, I like the conversations that we're having that Chris and I are having the guests that we're having. This is a great slot too. It's accessible. And that's what I liked most about that was the most, um, that, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a night person myself. I'm very much a night person. So, uh, I also enjoy that, uh, that, that aspect of it. But it's just a very accessible slot after the workday. You can call in and uh, you can send us an app. Send us an app on the app chat. Which I get some good messages uh, on the app chat. But we'll, of course, we're taking your calls at 508-996-0500. We're talking about a few things. You know, we're talking about that uh, yeah, that case in 96. Um, so it definitely was the the um, Dole Senate and the, uh, and the Gingrich House. Because that was in 94. Dole's running against 
Clinton at the time. And they still passed that legislation, right? Or did they pass it earlier? Still, he was running against Clinton at the time. And uh, they still wanted that. It's interesting. It's interesting. But yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, I guess, more comprehensive tax relief. Uh, we'll see exactly what's in it. It's over a billion dollars. We'll see it. Um, we'll see it suit, they said, in the coming days. So I don't know if it's the day they're going to vote on it. I imagine it's the day before. I think it's going to be tomorrow, unless they plan on releasing it over the weekend. Who's working on the weekend, though? Uh, not me. I'm not doing it. And again, as I said, this is the last legislative session, I believe, until the next governor is uh, sworn into office. Uh, that's been a tradition in mass uh, politics. That uh, I, I don't th I don't know if it's every election year, like every even year. At least it's at least um, I think it's every might be every even year. I'll have to ask somebody. We're gonna have state legislatures on here regularly, like we had, like um, you know we had Senator Mark Montigny earlier in the week when he was talking about. He was talking about the tax relief, you know, why he voted uh, for the um, the gas tax repeal. And uh, he was also ta uh, talking about, um, you know, he's got some plans for the Star Store, which is the UMass, uh, basically the UMass School of Art located, um, UMass Dartmouth uh, School of, of uh, Fine Arts located um, on Purchase Street downtown, which is a very, very cool place. And he was talking about the, um, you know, uh, his legislation to make the uh, state pier um, mixed use. Uh, so that was pretty cool. We'll be featuring more people here from uh, from Beacon Hill. We've got, uh, you know, I've had a lot of them on my show. Chris has had a lot of them on, uh, on his show. So we'll definitely be talking to them together. Tomorrow, I'm definitely going to be on the roundtable uh, with Tim. And I don't know who else he had. Uh, I don't know who else he had scheduled uh, for the roundtable. But um, I'll be there. So I'll be there talking about whatever we're talking about at the roundtable with whomever Tim scheduled for the roundtable. I really enjoy those discussions. They're a lot of fun. So even though um, I've got uh, other 12 extra hours of on-air time per week, um, always make time for uh, appearances on the uh, Tim Weisberg's um round table for sure because it is it's a lot of fun the audience loves it i really enjoy it the other people that are in it enjoy it and um and so we'll be doing that for sure uh for sure tomorrow and then i'll be back in the uh, in the saddle on friday night uh with with chris be talking about you know the things that happened during the week right uh the things that happened during the week and uh you know we're hopefully talk about that that legislative package hoping it's going to get released tomorrow we can talk about that a little bit and some of the races that are that are happening and then whatever you want to talk about um that's all on the table uh and that's why i don't know i just i'm really excited about this program and that's why we're here i know i spent a lot of the program today talking about how excited i am to be here uh and i probably will for a while <laughs> for a while because i am so excited uh to be here but uh, I'm also, I guess, excited to take this break that I, I got to take. So I'll see you in a couple of minutes. Hey, welcome back to South Coast tonight. I'm Marcus. Typically, Chris is here. He's not today. He'll be back tomorrow uh, for our first Friday night show. Excited to see what that's about. Our Friday night show. I think it'll be cool. And, um... 
I'll be on tomorrow uh, at 11, too. So I'll be on tomorrow at 11. Wait, is 11? Yeah, 11 to 12. I'll be on with Tim. There'll be a round table. We'll be talking about stuff. Um, and I don't know who else is on it. But whoever it is, they're going down. I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. Depends. <laughs> but yeah, I'll uh, I'll be on tomorrow. Uh we'll be on uh we'll be on I'll be on tomorrow at eleven. Uh Chris and I will be on uh at at seven o'clock, seven to ten tomorrow, same time, same place. Uh Joe Jesus fifties night is a week from today. I won't be on. Uh, during that, Chris and I will have the night off, but you can hear some great 50s music. I think you can go, you can go downtown and see some of the WBSM uh, hosts as well and meet them and talk to them. Not me, I won't be there, but other people will be there, and you can go hang out. And there's a lot of cool cars and a lot of cool stuff going on. Really glad that event's back. It's, it's a great event. It's a great event uh, for New Bedford and one that it's, it's missed uh, desperately. So um, that's it for tonight. I'll see you guys tomorrow.